Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. Welcome in. It's the podcast, Pete Forsey, the show, the name. We're here to talk about the NFL week one just is about to wrap up. We're recording this right before the Monday night game, uh, Ravens and Raiders in Vegas, uh, the slate of Sunday games, the Thursday game. We're going to highlight that here on episode 53 of the podcast. I think Aaron Rodgers um, couldn't be more embarrassed. Um, He says he's not. The head coach says that the team was embarrassed in their game. Another sign of just how Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers are not on the same page. Ultimately, I'll talk about how today or Sunday affects the rest of the season. I'm going to talk about the Rams and how their philosophy as far as team building and what their general manager does and what their head coach believes in. That was really on display Sunday night in that victory over the Bears. I think Matthew Stafford, high-level quarterback, but I am going to relate it to head coaches and why they are more valuable than high-level quarterbacks. In addition, I'm going to talk about every other game here in week one, my thoughts on what I saw, where each team is headed, and then specifically we'll talk about Lamar Jackson and his contract situation going into the 2021 season and how that could affect his value going forward and why I'd be a little bit wary if I'm Baltimore and handing out a certain amount of money. So it's episode 53 of the podcast, week one review, a little preview into week two. Thanks so much for tuning in. So it was during the summer, or it began in the spring, night one of the NFL draft, that uncoincidentally, it leaked that Aaron Rodgers wanted to be traded or did not want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. Real petty move on his part. He leaked it to the media, said he had nothing to do with it. Absolute bullshit. He's a petty guy. He's prickly. He's condescending. He totally made that happen. He leaked that to Adam Schefter or had his reps leak it to Adam Schefter some way, somehow, because he's mad that they drafted Jordan Love, his replacement. Um, He's got nothing against the guy, he said, which I believe, uh, but he is mad at the front office for the way they handle it. And I totally agree. After I heard that Tom Brady was informed that Jimmy Garoppolo back in 2014 was going to be selected by the Patriots, that Bill Belichick phoned him, said, hey, drafting him as a quarterback, but as you know, best man wins. So keep that in mind. After that, you can always have a quarterback, uh, or you can always select a quarterback if you think he's going to help your team, even if you got a franchise guy like uh, Rodgers. But he does um, deserve the respect of what your plan is. You can't just uh, do it blindly and then sidewall someone like uh, 
Aaron Rodgers. So I get that he's upset, but he took it way too far. He has stretched it into the season. He, we're still talking about the offseason, and it's week one. And he had to address it pregame. They had a little Aaron Andrews, you know, Fox before the game, sit down. What was the offseason all about? And he's still talking about it. Like, you would think at this point in time that it's time to flip the script to week one. And then, of course, postgame after the, you know, uh, romping against the Saints in Jacksonville, 38-3. to Yeah, he's got to address the offseason because that seems to be the only thing he wants to talk about. And, and this is where I draw the line between him and Tom Brady. He's got nothing in common with Brady. Tom Brady, when he left for Tampa Bay, did so with grace, did so with dignity, did so quietly. Aaron Rodgers did nothing but public. Public in the way that he went on uh, Kenny Maine's uh, uh, farewell tour on uh, on ESPN. Public with the way he was when he came back to training camp, talking about his accolades MVP um, and how he deserves to have more say in personnel and things that directly affect his job, in his words. Well, you know what Tom Brady does? He worries about playing quarterback. He worries about his teammates on offense, having them prepared, orchestrating the offense. He doesn't go public with those things. He doesn't have rust in week one because he's fighting for his guys to be at off-season workouts, at OTAs, at the voluntary stuff, in preseason games. Tom Brady, 44, played in preseason games this year. Aaron Rodgers, eh, he doesn't have interest in joint practices. This guy has stretched it so far, and he hates the media. He thinks the media has it out to make stories and create stories. When he voluntarily hands over the ammunition to the media, he did it last night after the game. Another thing that Tom Brady doesn't do. You remember that uh, that uh, blowout loss to Kansas City? It was right after they won the Super Bowl against the Falcons, so it would have been the 2017 season. Kansas City uh, was down at halftime, came out. It was Lamar Hunt's debut, had a great game. And then they beat the Patriots in Foxborough. Uh, ended up crushing them. How did Tom Brady handle that? He came out and said, it starts with me. It starts with this team. We got to get together this week and get going. He, he, he had urgency behind his comments. YouTube it. It was there. What is Aaron Rodgers doing? Oh, just one game. Just one game we got next week. There's nothing in common between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. One guy has a desire to win. One guy has a desire to help his team. The other guy really is just worried about what he can gain. Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, is this going to matter? No. I think they do take the division. Um, Does it make it a little more close for comfort? I think Minnesota is going to be a pretty good team. I think they get the wild card. Maybe they have to fight a little bit harder at the end of the season instead of being able to wrestle their guys. So maybe it catches up with them down the road in the playoffs. But just just a bad look. Bad look for you. Bad questions surrounding the team because they'll continue to ask, how does the offseason affect here and now? Week one, week two, if you continue to stall as an offense, even if you win next week at Detroit, who they got on Monday Night Football in week two, you're going to have questions to answer. Your teammates are going to have questions to answer. I don't think they're going to like that. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, nothing in common. It was on display here in week one. So we wrapped it up on Sunday evening with the Rams and the Bears, and that was a phenomenal game um, till about, I don't know, third quarter or so when the dagger was really put in Chicago. They they just they have to start Justin Fields. I said it before, um, really nothing's changed. And I, I heard the take earlier that 
SoFi Stadium, first time with fans in the stands in L.A., new stadium, good team that you want to uh, sit Justin Fields and just let Andy Dalton play. I just think when you're Coach Nagy and you have the team that you have and you're on the seat that you are, you need to just play the rookie. Okay, this this whole idea that you have a plan when really there appears not to be a plan because it's clear that you want to play Justin Fields. He, he was mixed into the game. He scored a touchdown. Scored a touchdown. It's clear that you want to play him. Just go ahead and let him play quarterback. Yeah, you might have to change the offense. You had off, all offseason to do it where you just are a little more calculated with your plays. You take uh, bigger shots, maybe fewer shots, uh, and you mix in some more runs with Justin Fields. You'll actually maybe move the ball. Andy Dalton didn't do that. Everything was about 10 yards where it usually is. And if you had the roster to do it, if you had the offensive line to do it, I would get it. But the offensive line is not that great. And they played okay yesterday evening. I didn't think it was uh, the biggest issue out there for the Bears. Uh, You know, Montgomery ran the ball really well. But, you know, when you have Justin Fields out there, he can actually evade the poor blocking and evade the pass rushers. And I get Aaron Donald's on the other side of the ball. Could have been a, you know, it could turn into a nightmare, theoretically. But guess what? He's the better option out there. And soon here, as soon as next week, as soon as maybe this week in practice, are you going to be able to look your team in the eye? Are you going to be able to look your team in the eye if you're Matt Nagy and say, our best option is Andy Dalton? I don't think so. I think the receivers are going to look at you like your head's backwards. And the defense is going to be like, what the hell are we doing? We just got off the field and now we're back out there because our quarterback can't throw it over 10 yards. Justin Fields needs to play. But we do want to talk about the Rams here because Matt Stafford was Matthew Stafford, as he always is. And I think he's a great player. I think he was undercoached in Detroit. Uh, I think he is someone that... You know, maybe he's getting hyped up a little bit. I, I, I wouldn't call him, you know, a top, um, an elite quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback who you can play any style of football with. Um, but I think this is a, a good time to recognize the Los Angeles Rams. I remember there was some USA article back two years ago in 2019 talking about their salary cap issues, talking about how they were screwed, tweeted at the guy, said it was bad journalism. He called me or uh, he replied to me you know, with some sarcastic comment. Uh, basically, I win because the Rams are good and their salary cap issues, while aren't great, they're still winning football games. And yeah, that guy has since deleted the tweet. So um, the Rams, they have a quarterback. They have a cornerback that are of, you know, high stabs here. Blue chip players. When you pay a premium, you better get a premium in return. And that's what the Rams do. You are screwed at any position of football, when you pay a premium and get anything less than that. The Rams and their philosophy, they're not afraid to push all their chips in the middle of the table. Well, the guys who risk it, those are the ones that are going to go out on a limb and actually get the fruit. Because that's where the fruit is, is out on the limbs. And since Les Snead has taken over, particularly when they've gotten to LA, the Rams have no trouble pushing all their chips in the middle of the table. On the other side... They're not afraid to admit when they made a mistake. Ramsey, they got him, and then they signed him. Um, Matthew Stafford, they're going to sign him. They just don't have the space currently. But they're going to sign him to a contract extension. Leave no doubt. You don't make that trade and then not do it. They even have signed contract extensions, but then admitted where they got it wrong. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Jared Goff, even Jason P- or, uh, Marcus Peters, they didn't sign him to a contract, but they brought him in and then said, oh, we got to flip this guy. He's not really fitting exactly what we're looking for. 
They push all their chips into the middle of the table with all those players. And guess what? It's worked out for them. Playoff appearances, Super Bowl appearance. And it looks like they're going to be a strong candidate to do it again this year. Matthew Stafford, great player. But this speaks volumes to the front office, to the coaching staff that the Rams have in place. Sean McVay, excellent play caller. I am of the believer that great quarterbacks do not make great head coaches. It's the other way around. There's too many examples of coaches when they are absent from the formula you don't have a prayer. I don't care if you have Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care if you have uh, Aaron Rodgers. Both those players have missed out on the playoffs when their coach hasn't been around. Aaron Rodgers, when he was still dealing with Mike McCarthy, when it was you know, apparent back in 2018 that that had run its course, they had a disaster season. Drew Brees in 2012 for Bounty Gate, when Sean Payton was absent, didn't have a prayer on making the playoffs. Andy Reid, prior to Patrick Mahomes, Four of the five years, he made the playoffs with Alex Smith. If you don't have a coach, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. It really doesn't. Kyler Murray, I know a lot of people love him and think he's going to be the next great thing along with Joe Burrow. Even uh, with uh, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, the past three years, number one overall picks, do you really think they have a shot at the playoffs? I know their teams aren't really good overall. But do you think those coaches actually have the potential to lead them to the playoffs? It does not matter how great your quarterback is if you do not have a great coach. Coaches elevate great quarterbacks. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. It was evident here in week one. Okay, we're just going to do some quick hits on the games around the league. Probably will omit the ones that I already touched on as far as the Rams and Rodgers and Green Bay talk about uh, the other ones that happened here, which I am 12-2 and two on Pick'em. Uh, straight up, who wins the game? 12-2 and two yesterday, uh, as well as got a win on Thursday with the Buccaneers. So 13-2. and two. We uh, will give our final prediction here on uh, the Monday night game, Ravens and Raiders, first game in Vegas. Uh, but food for thought, check out Pete's Picks on Twitter, at Pete4C, if you want to know who wins to place wagers, if that's your sort of thing. I don't do that. But I will tell you who's going to win the game and by what score. So you can check that out there. But we will move on to Philadelphia and Atlanta pounding 32-6, to where Jalen Hurts, 27 for 35, 264 yards, three touchdowns. They look good. And I think there is a point here with Tony Romo and his thoughts on kind of the Eagles. He thinks they're going to have a better year than many anticipated. He's got merit to that. Good offensive line, good defensive line. I just don't think their skills players that they've drafted uh, in the wide receivers the past three years, I don't think they're going to pan out. I think they're more speed guys. I think they're more gadget guys. They are obsessed with traits. I don't think it pans out. And I think once you actually play against a good team, a more buttoned-up team, the Falcons, disaster. Absolute disaster. Their defensive coordinator, uh, they, they got a head coach who's really acting like an offensive coordinator. At least I think he will be. He's got no head coaching experience. He was a coordinator for a year and a half. And then they elevated him to head coach. I, I just don't think it's enough to get a play caller. He's a good player caller. He is. He definitely deserved to be considered for a head coaching uh, job, but I, I don't think the timing was right. I think it's really going to be a long year in Atlanta when Philadelphia does play a real team. We'll see if Sirianni can coach. Pittsburgh and Buffalo got this one wrong. That was one of my two losses. Uh, the defense looked really good with Pittsburgh. I did not think they would be able to 
beat Buffalo and Josh Allen, but they really pinned their ears back and they knew that they were not going to run the ball. Josh Allen threw the ball 51 times, a common theme here in week one and a necessity probably as far as being able to win as a quarterback in the NFL. But Josh Allen, he, he, he kind of looks like the guy that I warned you about last week. He makes a lot of throws and he can make any throw on the field, but he can also miss it. And he missed a couple of them. Now, there weren't any backbreakers by Josh Allen, but I think this just goes to show, let's slow down a little bit. Maybe Buffalo should have slowed down on that contract. I would have. They really signed him up soon to be a Buffalo quarterback for a long time. I didn't like it. They only put 16 points on the board, and Pittsburgh's defense looked great. Maybe a little underestimating here in week one. I don't like him for the long haul, though. I think they got some holes at cornerback, and Buffalo could be a sign if you're only putting up 16 against Pittsburgh. And then we go to the Jets in Carolina, the Sam Darnold uh, revenge game. He looks solid. Um, 279 passing yards, Wilson on the other end with the Jets, the guy that replaced him, 37 times he dropped back for 258 yards. I thought this was a good game for both the coaches. I think the Jets, they're in for another long year. They've had more injuries than anybody, and it doesn't appear to be getting any better. They lost their left tackle. They lost LaMarcus Joyner, their safety. Um, but Matt Rule, this is a good game. This is a good game to look at that he has his stuff in order. He's got his team playing smart football, disciplined football. They're not scoring a lot of points. they got a lot to clean up, but they're doing the things that he asked them to do on a conceptual level very well. Now it's about how can you elevate the game to the next part, to the more of the level that you see the great teams do where they throw in and manufacture drives consistently. Sam Darnold, he's got to prove that for his career, but also the entire Carolina team does as well. Okay, taking it to Minnesota and Cincinnati, that was one of the Better games. Um, You know, Kirk Cousins, 49 times, 351 yards. Burrow, only 27 times. They got the win, 27 to 24. I think this guy has a natural feel for the quarterback position. I said last year when he came out, his feel in maneuvering the pocket and getting the ball down the field, just very natural. It's it's Brady-like as far as his manipulation of the pocket and his presence of mind and pocket awareness. I think it was outstanding. He looked good coming off a knee injury. And Minnesota, I thought, looked solid as well. They do really play disciplined football. They're not going to uh, they're not going to throw a whole bunch at you with the playbook, but when they do, they're going to be well coached. They're going to be better coached than a lot of squads, and that looks like a Mike Zimmer game. I have this team making the playoffs. I think this is a week one uh, knocking the rust off, getting the offense together, getting all 11 guys on both sides of the ball, and I think they're going to be okay. I did not pick them to win this game. I thought they were going to lose, but I still got to make them playoffs. I think Joe Burrow looks good. I think they got some pass catchers. We'll see about that defense against better teams. I think it's well improved, but Cincinnati, they, they got a tough uphill climb uh, with their head coach. I don't think he's any good as far as Zach Taylor. And then Seattle and Indianapolis, 28-16, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, um, both guys that, I'm not going to call it drama, but there were some there were some differences than the previous offseason with Russell Wilson and Wentz. And Wentz, he looked like a guy that they were really cautious with. Uh, looks like it was going to be a tough climb to win this game, and ultimately it was. They dropped him back 38 times, didn't ask too much of him as far as throwing the ball deep. Um, really saw a lot of Jonathan Taylor when I tuned into this game, and I think Russell Wilson hit the plays that he needed to. It was a typical Seattle game. Anytime I pick Seattle, I always think they're going to score around 27 points. They put a 28 spot on the board. I think overall on defense, Seattle, they got a good uh, pass 
pass rusher, excuse me, in this Daryl guy. Cornerback, a lot to be desired there. But I do think it's going to be a solid offense. It's never going to be a bad offense when you got Russell Wilson, number three, quarterbacking you. They get the win there. San Francisco, my God, they almost gave it away. They coughed it up against Detroit. And I know we talked about biting kneecaps. Um, Dan Campbell, they were scratching and clawing and biting kneecaps. Like he said, they almost came back. They got one onside kick, almost got another, but they lost by eight. Um, despite the fumble from Debo Samuel, that gave them an opportunity to, to score eight more points and tie the game. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. 17 passes for 20 uh, out of 25, 314 yards. Trey Lance, they, they really want him in the game now? I don't think so. 17 for 25, 314. Sounds like a guy that's a starter. That's Jimmy Garoppolo's stats. He was solid for San Francisco. However, they have been hit hard with injuries. I think they may have to call up Richard Sherman, get him back in the game because Jason Verrett is out with an injury. Uh, I, I, I think the best course here for San Francisco is to really ease their players in the next few weeks. They got to be on snap counts. They do. They got to be on snap counts. You cannot force players to play longer than they have to, especially if you did not have them play all that much in the preseason games as well as the preseason in general. Remember San Francisco, they did shut down their camp back in July because of COVID, and they didn't want to over uh, overextend guys as far as playing time. It's kind of catching up with them. They looked out of shape. They played well, but they looked out of shape. And I think Kyle Shanahan has to play this along slowly. They have talent. Just make sure that you don't overextend guys early in the season here. Let's take it down to Houston where Jacksonville visited. And I didn't catch too much of the game on this one. All I really saw from those that did cover the game, Aaron Reese of The Athletic, we had him on the show a while back. He did tell me that it... Uh, it looked like a, J- a Houston team, rather, the one that he covers, that looked very disciplined and very focused. They had a plan, and they took it to Jacksonville. First-year head coach Urban Meyer, I you know, went on about it last week. I, I just don't think the game's going to translate. The f- game of football in college is not the game in the NFL. Different rules. Different rules, different type of athletes. It leads to a different game. So, yeah, imagine that. If you coached in college your entire career, it's not going to be so smooth once you go to the NFL. But Houston, I said the same thing last week that, you know, they got some good players, some guys that um, are well-decorated on their team. And I'm not saying it's going to lead to playoff success, but they put 37 points up in an NFL game, and I know it was against Jacksonville. Tyrod Taylor looked good, uh, 21-33, a couple touchdowns. I think they're going to be the good-bad team in the NFL. They could sneak out five, six wins maybe. Instead of being that two to three win team that everybody suspects, they put it on display in week one. Kansas City and Cleveland, this was a big matchup. The game went pretty much how every Kansas City game does. And and that's that if they're not stomping you, the other game is that they're really giving you hope. And then if you give them the ball with any sort of time, aka anything over a minute and 30, they'll beat you. You have to close them. You have to close them out with your offense. You absolutely have to do it. And Mayfield Baker, uh, it, it was proven again that he's just not the type of guy that you want the ball in the hands in a drop back game. You, you just don't. Patrick Mahomes, twenty seven to thirty six, three hundred thirty seven yards. Mayfield, twenty one of twenty eight, three hundred twenty one yards. Not the same guy. Thirty three to twenty nine. I got the point total right on that one. Thirty three points for KC. If you give them the ball with anything less than 130, you're not going to win the game. 
you have to control the clock and you have to kill the clock and you have to do it with your offense. If you plan on closing the team out with your defense, that's not going to happen. That won't happen with the Chiefs. That won't even happen in the NFL. You have to close the game out with your offense and it takes guts to go for it. I think Cleveland, you know, they went for it uh, on first fourth down on their four, first drive, but they didn't do enough. And Kansas City just proved that they're the better team. Miami and New England. Uh, Mac Jones played really well, mistake-free football. I think he showed toughness. I think he showed anticipation, accuracy. He's got a quick release, and he's a quick scanner of the field. He looks like a guy that should have been drafted number two overall. I tweeted it out yesterday. I don't know why, you know, the Jets, I don't know why San Francisco would pass up on this guy, particularly everything you just named as far as the anticipation, the ball placement, um, the eyes up. Uh, down the field. That's all stuff that is a requirement for the West Coast offense, which in San Francisco, the zone stretch offense that Kyle Shanahan runs, that's a version of the West Coast. I don't know why they didn't draft Mac Jones if they wanted a quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance hasn't had the opportunity to display what he has. Mac Jones looked very good. However, they do drop to Miami. Uh, They weren't able to get points in the red zone. A couple of fumbles from Damian Harris. And uh, yeah, Miami went 17 to 16. Denver, Giants lose to Denver Broncos in the Meadowlands. It was 27-13. to 13. Danny Dimes. I think we can safely assume that nickname is dead. Okay? Jones, again, I, I don't think he's in the best situation with Jason Garrett. I don't think their GM has really been all that good here lately, especially with his team-building philosophy. But this guy just has no feel for the pocket. He, he reminds me of Joe Flacco. He always thinks someone is bearing down on him. And he just doesn't give the offense a shot. He doesn't give the offense a shot, really. And I think it's just it's time to start the process once again uh, of finding a new quarterback. You need to be looking on the open market, whether it's professional scouting or amateur scouting at the college level. And it's time to start the process of finding the, the heir apparent to Eli Manning. Um, they were too late with Eli Manning. Before they flipped to Daniel Jones, and they're probably going to be too late here now before they make the decision to flip course here. But it's time to start the process. This guy, I think, is an okay quarterback, which you know bodes well for being a backup in this league. But this isn't a guy that's going to win you a full slate of games. He's not going to get you double-digit wins, and it's time to start the process of moving on. Let's go to Nashville, 38-13 Cardinals over the Titans. Tennessee, you know, when you're hit with COVID like they were so close to the season, I just can't take you to win the game. I did have Arizona winning, and I did not expect five sacks from Chandler Jones, a guy that wants a new contract, certainly earned it in week one. I I do think this was really teed up well for Arizona, again, with the COVID, again, with the defense and the cornerbacks being so putrid for Tennessee. This really was set up well for Arizona to, to take advantage. And I thought they were going to score a little less than 38, but nothing really too, um, you know, remarkable in this one. Tannehill, 21 for 35. Murray, 21 of 32. This was a game where I think Tennessee was out of shape. Julio called out today on Monday by Mike Vrabel for a dumbass penalty, as he called it. They just didn't play winning football. A lot's going to have to go right for Tennessee this year. They are very top-heavy. The depth is horrible. And if they have guys missing games for COVID, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. Uh, Dallas and Tampa. At this point in time, are are we watching the greatest achievement in sports by uh, one singular individual? 44 years of age. 
Brady, 32 of 50, 380 yards, four touchdowns. There's been more people than ever, I think, heaping praise on number 12. And it's because at this point, it's not, you can't really deny it. We, we might be watching the greatest achievement ever. Now, I know the rules have definitely helped him out as far as, you know, pass protection and getting rid of the ball and not hitting quarterbacks. But the guy has stayed fit. And the guy has stayed up with the times on how to relate to his teammates and also schematically with the offense. And the guy is still just, you know, pumping out victories. Fourth quarter wins. Dallas gave him the ball back, ended up kicking the field goal. I got that point total right, 31. Uh, Did not get Dallas right, but I did get Tampa Bay correct. 31 points, 29 over Dallas. Dallas is going to be okay. That was a game I didn't think they had any shot at. They played much better than expected. Defense really ran out of gas at the end there. But the offense, I think, is just going to take advantage of some lesser talented defenses, and they'll definitely be a top 10 offense. It's going to be a question of, are they going to be able to close out games, like I mentioned earlier, with their offense? Dak Prescott definitely plays well in the fourth quarter, but Mike McCarthy, he's got a lot to prove that as a play caller, and particularly with game management. So we'll see how Dallas does moving forward here. The last game, probably the Most exciting game, at least in terms of what I was witnessing, the Los Angeles Chargers 2016 over Washington in Virginia. And I I think Herbert, while he's got a lot to clean up, it's it's evident that this guy's ready to start a full year games for the Chargers and play at a high level and sneak into the playoffs. Because I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I think they're going to take the second wild card. And I think 47 shots for 337 yards and a touchdown is right up the alley that I would kind of peg him for a lot of weeks. It's better if you get him in that 35 range, about 12 less passes. And I think they got that Larry Roundtree, Eckler to run the football and really set him up for easier throws. But the defense, the defense has the defensive backs. They have the play caller in their head coach now with Staley. I really like this team. I like this team to knock off the heavyweights. I like this team to take advantage of the low lifes in the NFL, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Now, I know they played Washington. That's going to be about a 500 team. It is week one, but I expect them to play really good football when it matters and to really take care of business against the bad teams because they got the coach, they got the players, they got the scheme. It should be easy peasy. Can they beat the better teams? Think they got the ammo? We'll see if they do it. Washington, aye, aye, aye. Fitzpatrick, he's out. Um, probably for a long time as we got the news here on Monday, six to eight weeks with the hip injury. Um, I, I just don't see Heineke or Henneke. I know he was the darling of the playoffs against the Bucks last year. Players like him. He's got some moxie. Uh, head coach likes him, but it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough to actually save this season. This is a really bad way to start. They're a team that's a good candidate to uh, be bad early, continuously get better as the season goes on, maybe make some noise towards the end of the season where they could sneak in the playoffs but ultimately fall short. That's kind of where I peg Washington, and that's kind of where I peg their game. Here against the Chargers in Week 1. Okay, so we are about to wrap up Week 1 with Monday Night Football, just about uh, an hour and 10 minutes away here. Lamar Jackson is going to be quarterback of the Ravens. Derek Carr for the Raiders is going to be the first game in Las Vegas with fans. And I got the final score. I, I, I think Vegas sneaks one out today. I think these Monday night games, uh, the first home game of the season, crowd can definitely be an element. And I think it will be in Vegas where first football game, 
Uh, first time anybody's showing up, even Mark Davis. And I think they definitely bring energy. I think it's an element of the game. I also think that John Gruden at its best is when he has more time to prepare. This is week one. He's been preparing for this game longer than any game he will uh, throughout the rest of the season. And I think um, I think they get it done 31-29 to over Baltimore. I think Baltimore's probably the better team overall. But they are just you know, ravaged by injuries right now. Three running backs are out for the season, uh, even prior to week one. I, I don't even know if Le'Veon Bell is going to suit up or a Devontae Freeman this week, but their best runner is their quarterback, and that's who I want to talk about because Lamar Jackson, I, I started thinking about it last Thursday after the game with uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay, and it only rang true further as I was watching yesterday, and that's that how can you reasonably say to yourself if you're Baltimore – that it's okay to give this guy $35 plus million a year. Can you really feel good about yourself if you do that? I know he's negotiating himself and him and his mom, and he's not using an agent, which is kind of silly. They talked about it today. Adam Schefter, he wrote a report that he's not going to negotiate in season because he's focusing on football. Well, yeah, that's exactly what he should do. He should hire an agent to get his contract done. He should not have his mom in the room or even just himself trying to negotiate a multi multi-million dollar contract. Hire an agent, let him take the cut. You're going to have plenty of money left. This is just not a contract that I want to hand out if I'm Baltimore. And it certainly looks like they just want to, you know, play it as it goes. Because is he really a guy? There were seven individuals so far in these 15 games, seven different quarterbacks that threw the ball 40 plus times. Do you feel good in a drop back game like you saw on Thursday night with the Bucks and the Cowboys? Do you feel good in a drop-back game that Lamar Jackson is going to get it done? I know he's a fantastic runner. He is. He's very, very good, and he brings a different element that nobody else can bring. However, it doesn't mean that it's uniquely valuable. It's unique in that it is hard to defend, but it doesn't mean it's uniquely valuable for the quarterback position. I think he's a great player. I think he's got a spot in this league. He He should make a lot of money in this league, but he is a different type of signal caller. And I don't think $35 million a year is the price tag that I want to go. Baltimore, I don't think it is either. I don't think the only holdup here is that Lamar Jackson is negotiating it himself. I don't think they want to do it. Or at least I think they want more time to see if they want to do it. Because right now he can't throw to the outside. He doesn't have uh, a lot of help if his tight end isn't controlling the middle of the field. And right now he's a pretty dynamic runner. I don't think he's a bad thrower from the pocket, but he's not a great one. And when the game is uh, uh, trailing, when his team is trailing in the game, it's clear he's not the same player. He's not. And I, I, all I could think about when I saw these quarterbacks dropping back 40-plus times, this is the NFL in 2021. Do you want Lamar Jackson controlling your team if you're doing that? I get he's a highlight reel, and it's fun to watch. I think he's a great player, and I like the guy. Nobody cares works harder, or nobody cares work harder. That's what he said. I love that. I think he's a great guy, and I think he's got the right mentality. But I don't want to give him all those snaps. I don't want the ball in his hands. He can't throw it. He doesn't have the ball placement. He doesn't have the touch. Ravens, be careful. Starts tonight, week one in Vegas. I got them losing. I think they're going to have shaky season. Got some key injuries that are out. I think they'll get better as the year goes on. Vegas, they'll be a 500 team. Gruden just doesn't scheme well against the different defenses out there. They lack talent on defense. I do think they get it done tonight. Partial assist from the home crowd, 31-29 Vegas over Baltimore this evening. 
week one in the books. Appreciate everybody listening. That's episode 53. We're going to talk more NFL. I'm going to have my Pete's picks out on Twitter, at Pete4C. I pick every game every single week, and you can see what's going to happen. Again, 13-2 and two right now. we got one game to go. Monday night, 31-29. I got the Raiders beating the Ravens. Go ahead, check it out if you want to play some bets. Uh, ask me why, um, and I'll tell you why. It's going to turn out that way. I'm 13-2. and two. Uh, 816-226-7483. That's the hotline. Call or text it. If you want your voice here on the show, you can do that. Um, I can also respond to you directly with your questions, comments, anything that you got. Lots of NFL. Uh, baseball, I saw Lindor, the Yanks, a little uh, scruffle there in the uh, in the finale in Queens. A great game on Saturday evening, um, honoring 9-11. Uh, you know, b- big game, close game. Uh, and the Yanks, as well as the Mets, really gunning for playoff spots. It's no sure thing. So not going to omit baseball. I see that Kershaw's back. He'll start this week. And, um, yeah, soon we're going to be talking about playoff baseball here. But we'll continue to talk about football. And week two will be around the corner here. 816-226-7483 at Pete4C. We will see you guys next week.